This is John Gescheitmeyer of Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your real estate expert. This podcast is designed to equipping people with the teaching and tools they need to succeed in real estate. I hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more real estate content. Hey everyone, John Gescheidmeyer here. I'm your host of Wisconsin Real Estate Today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Today we have an interesting episode, but before we get into it, I want to just remind you, if you could take a moment, go to Facebook, like our Facebook page, it's Wisconsin Real Estate Today, and um, maybe leave a comment or recommendation. Be sure to share it. We would appreciate it. As far as we know, this is the only active podcast in Wisconsin, and we are so proud to be able to offer this to you. So thank you also to those of you who have taken the time to send some messages and uh, some show ideas. Today's show is from an idea, and it's a little bit of a confusing topic, and uh, it's called the right to cure. Let's talk about what that means. So the right to cure relates to things in a transaction that, um, well, whether or not you give the seller, let's say, the right to fix things rather than walk away. So let's look at this from kind of a bird's eye view. Right to cure applies to a lot of different things. It applies to inspections and testing, you know, things like the water and the well and the septic systems, but it also... Uh, applies to appraisals. And so if you have a home that doesn't appraise, the seller can get the right to cure. In other words, if it uh, if the agreed upon purchase price is 350, but it only appraises, appraises for 340, then then the seller has a right to come down. They can cure that defect. What is the defect? The defect is that it didn't appraise. So same thing when we talk about inspections. Now let's first talk about what a defect is because I think that's probably where we should start when it comes to the right to cure for inspections and testing and all those other things. So if I'm a seller and I walk around my house and I, you know, from my seller's point of view, and maybe I've lived in the home for a while now, right? But if I walk into that home, I'm going to probably look at it from a little bit of a blind eye, not intentionally, but it's my house, right? I see things Um, every day. And so the things that would stand out to maybe a real estate agent or a buyer might not stand out to a seller. Now, there's also things we just don't check. When's the last time you looked in your attic to see if there's mold underneath the roof sheathing, right? Especially if you have an older home. Uh, Those are things you should probably do before you sell. Um, A defect is an item that would, and I'm paraphrasing, would significantly alter the value of the home Um, it would significantly alter what a buyer would pay for the home had they had known everything um, from the seller, right? So the way a real estate transaction works is that a buyer will go see it and hopefully their agent runs some comparables to make sure that whatever they listed it at, you know, makes somewhat sense. Uh, now we do live in a different environment now with uh, more, we have the lowest inventory we've ever had. I mean, I mean it's just insane. Um, so, you know, 12, 15, 20, 20 plus offers on a home, unfortunately, is not all that common these days. Buyers are willing to look past certain things just to get the home, except, of course, for big ticket items. That becomes a little, a little different. But in a home, 
when the home inspection is done, after long after the or not long, but short after, shortly after, when the offer is accepted, the home inspection is completed, and what happens next? Right, the home inspector goes in, and typically he finds some things. That that's the inspector's job. So the inspector then comes in, makes a report, then goes to the buyer. Buyer's agent sends it over to the listing agent. Listing agent sells it or shares it with the seller. So then the buyer asks for things, right? And they said, well, based on the report, we would like these defects to be corrected. All right, let's pause there. Where this goes really can be in multiple directions. If the buyer had the right, uh, had given the seller the right to cure, in other words, in the offer, in the inspection contingency, and if you just happen to have the WB11 Wisconsin offer to purchase in front of you, I am just uh, referring to the inspection contingency area of page four of the offer to purchase. So the buyer authorized the inspection, which happened, and then the buyer gave the seller either yes, the right to cure any defects that are found, or not the right to cure those defects. And this gets a little bit confusing because, you know, if you're a buyer in a balanced market, in other words, years ago, not now, you don't really want the seller to have the right to cure. Because if there's anything major and you want to walk away, you just walk away. You serve what's called a notice of defects. And if you didn't give the seller the right to cure and that was agreed upon in the contract, well, then the buyer's out. Um, earnest money has to be returned because buyer just exercised their rights in the contract to, uh, to kill the deal, really. Well, it gets a little more convoluted, if you will, sometimes with the right to cure. Now, whether there's right to cure or not, you always have the option, and, and I think the obligation in many cases, to try to negotiate with the seller. I mean, the buyer wanted the house. The seller wants to sell to that particular buyer from the terms of the offer and the offer that they wrote. Um, and unless that's significantly changed, I think it really comes down to who pays for what and how much more than anything. So when it comes to giving the seller the right to cure, as a buyer, you really have to think about that strategically. So if you're a buyer listening to this program and you're out making offers that are, you know, I mean, you've got competition, right? You almost always have to give the seller the right to cure because not giving the seller the right to cure is a pretty good reason for the seller to say, you know what, we're just going to look at another offer. Um, and when taken in, you know, in whole with everything else that's on the offer, uh, that could be the decision maker. You never know. But the language in the contract says that a couple things have to occur. Again, if you... If the seller accepts an offer and does not have the right to cure, especially if there's competition, then you were misled more than likely by your agent. Because I can't think of a scenario today with competition like crazy. I, I just can't think of a scenario where you would accept an offer that didn't give you the right to cure. Uh, that, it just, I'm, I mean, even right now I'm starting to think about what I, you know, what, what would make sense um, for that scenario to hold true. And I'm just not thinking of an example. So, you know, you're letting your buyer leave. Now, some people might say, well, if the buyer doesn't want to buy the house, you know, there's no court in the land if I sue them that's going to make them buy the house. And that's true. That, that's another conversation. That's, def that's defaulting. But, the, but the, if the buyer gave the seller the right to cure, then a couple things have to happen. 
First of all, you have a negotiating period, right? If an offer was accepted today, all of your deadlines start tomorrow. So, you know, if it's the first of the month, then the offer was accepted on the first, and then all of the deadlines begin tomorrow on the second. So if you gave 10 days for inspection, it would be the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh. So that, ex- that, that, that contingency expires at 11.59 p.m. on the 11th. That's 10 days. And it always starts the next day. Um, you know, you don't, you can accept an offer at 10 o'clock tonight, 10 o'clock this morning, it wouldn't matter. It, it, all the deadlines start tomorrow, the next day. Now, with inspections, the thing that people sometimes forget is that the inspection contingency doesn't mean you can just do all the inspecting. You know, we had Dave Colisari on from Homesite Inspections on a couple of previous podcasts, and we talked about the scope and everything else. Uh, great episodes if you didn't hear those. But really, when it boils down to having the right to cure, it all comes down to how you negotiate the contract. So the inspector finds things. There's a negotiating period that usually occurs during that inspection um, period, in other words, prior to the deadline. But if the seller and the buyer can't agree, now the buyer has a decision to make. If they did not give the seller the right to cure, they either have to kill the deal or buy the home the way it is. Because again, if the seller says, no, I'm not doing anything. This is a seller's market. I accepted your offer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fixing anything. And it's all minor stuff anyway, so you figure that out. Which would be a pretty typical response in today's market. Um, but, you know, a seller, most sellers are pretty reasonable. If they received an offer above asking or, you know, it was a great process, the buyer gave them a great offer, you know, they can fix some stuff for sure. No doubt. But, if they didn't have the right to cure, the buyer can kill the deal immediately. Or their other option is, if we didn't negotiate anything successfully, to buy it as is. That would be if a seller just stood that fine, you know, that, that very, that, that, that line in the sand. I was going to say fine line, but it's not a fine line. It's a line in the sand. I'm not going to do anything. Well, let's change that scenario a little bit to if the seller had the right to cure. So the buyer comes up with, let's say, um, what would be a typical one? Radon mitigation, right? Radon levels being too high in the home. Uh, comes back after an electronic test that the radon levels are 4.0 picocuries per liter or higher. That's the EPA threshold, if you will. Um, and what happens? So next, the buyer is going to say, all right, I want you to fix this. Negotiations failed. Now the buyer who gave the right to cure to the seller has to issue a notice. And what happens is in that notice of defect, they will list everything that they want the buyer to fix, all the defects. Now, we also should point out that the definition of defect has really never been specifically defined in the Wisconsin statutes or any of the statutes that apply. So, uh, you know, you might think a defect um, might, be differently, or might be differently interpreted than me. Uh, A leaking roof to most people would be a defect, but would uh, a crack in a drywall, you know, or let's say a plaster crack in an older home, uh, crack in a window. I mean, I don't think those are necessarily defects. You can easily fix those things and some of it's cosmetic, but a buyer might think it's a defect, right? So that's where attorneys get involved if we need them. But anyway, if the seller was given the right to cure, now 
the buyer has to serve a notice of defects. And typically, at least in the contract, it's 10 days. Now, I don't, I don't allow 10 days if I'm a listing agent or a buyer's agent. That's just way too, well, listing agent I would. But a buyer's agent, to give a seller 10 days to agree to fix some things, that seems like a lot. And what I want to know if I'm the buyer's agent is, look, are you going to fix this stuff or not? We've tried to negotiate. It didn't work. Now we're serving you notice. So here's what the seller has to do then. The seller either has to fix the things that were wrong. And in the contract, it says in a good and workmanlike manner. But they have to fix all of the defects too. They can't just fix one. They can't just pick and choose from a list of seven, you know, two or three or four. Um, and then they have to deliver a written report detailing the work that was, that was completed um, no later than three days prior to closing. Now, of course, all of this stuff is negotiable, right? I'm just reading what the contract says. If the seller doesn't respond at all, after the 10th day, the deal dies. Buyer gets all their earnest money back. If the seller responds and says, we'll do all of them, then everyone keeps moving forward. The seller can't come back and say, I'll do two and three, but I, I don't believe four and five are defects, right? Because that, that starts to get really ugly. In the case of radon mitigation, there is a specific section in the offer of purchase that covers radon testing. And, and if the results are high, you know, then X has to happen, right? Well, what's X? If radon's high, the seller has a, kind of an option. Um, they have a few options available to them. One is I do nothing. But if the seller doesn't disclose to other buyers, you know, that defect now exists that they now know of, then there's a little bit of a problem there for the seller. They could get sued. Remember, the seller has an obligation to disclose everything in that home that could be considered a defect. Now, I get asked all the time, and this is for a separate podcast, but I get asked all the time, well, John, you know, is blank, 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 considered a defect? And I can't answer that question. I mean, as much as I'd like to help them, I give them some scenarios. I even have to be careful by saying things like, well, what I would do is this. The one thing I do tell people, which I believe I'm pretty safe in saying, is that if you're not sure, you should over-disclose. Tell your buyers everything about that home that you know of, especially in 2021, when we are experiencing 40-plus percent less homes on the market than we're used to. You're going to find the right buyer doesn't care, right? So right to cure is something that really has to be taken into account when you're negotiating the offer. It's not something you can invoke later, and it's certainly not something that you can change without amending the contract. And, and if you're not sure what the difference is between a notice and, a, and a, an amendment, an amendment is something that is, as it says, amending the contract. It's changing terms but that buyer and seller both agree to. So a notice is kind of, think about a notice as a, as a one-way street. I'm delivering to you, I'm the buyer, I'm delivering to you, the seller, a notice of defects. Now, you may have to do some things, but we're not agreeing on it. Within the, within the contractual guidelines of the contract, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve you notice. And then that's it. And then the seller has to make the decision, right? It's, it's putting the ball proverbially, per, proverbially <laughs> uh, in the seller's hands, right? It's in their court. So now they have to make a decision. 
and it's not it's not a tough one to do. I mean, most of the time, at least with my sellers, I mean, we're always having these conversations, especially when the report comes in. Typically, the home inspector's report has to arrive as soon as practical, it says, in the offer. But a lot of times what will happen is they'll, the, the agent will spend four, five, six days, buyer's agent will spend four, five, six days getting estimates and putting stuff together and then send everything over. When I know that inspection is happening, I'm already on the offensive by telling the buyer's agent, I want a copy of that inspection as soon as you get it. And then if they don't produce it, technically they're violating licensee laws to, a, to some degree. The bottom line is I want, if I'm a buyer's agent and there's things wrong in that home, I want that, that inspection report in the seller's hands as soon as possible. I want them to start digesting it. I want them to start thinking about it. Um, and I'm very open. You know, if, if I have a buyer who says, we're definitely going to have to get that electrical system looked at, well, then I pass that on. You know, we're going to review the report. We're going to get back to you on what the buyer ultimately wants. But I can tell you the electrical system is a concern. A good agent on the other side will call the seller and say, hey, there's a concern about the electrical system and I don't have all the details yet, but are you aware of anything? And then the seller says, you know, that's funny you say that. Sometimes when we plug our toaster in, the lights go out. Well, <laughs> that's probably a defect that should have been disclosed. But you see my point, right? So the right to cure is one of those things where if you're a seller, you always want to have it. You want to have the right to cure, even during the appraisal. We'll talk about that, that next. Um, if I'm the buyer, I really don't want to give the seller the right to cure because I want to be able to walk away if and when I want to walk away um, without breaching the contract, of course. So in the offer to purchase on page six, you'll find the appraisal contingency, and it's located at the top of the, of the form, and it says... This offer is contingent upon the buyer or the buyer's lender having the property appraised at the buyer's expense by a licensed or certified independent appraiser who issues an appraisal report that indicates the appraised value is equal to or greater than the agreed upon purchase price. I'm paraphrasing. There's some other words in there that I didn't read. But the bottom line is Assessed value is what the city or town or county or municipality thinks that your home is worth. It doesn't mean that that's really worth it in the fair market. In fact, we find that most of those are low. But the appraiser looks at sold data, and he comes in looking only at sold data to a small degree on market trends, on active listings that are listed higher than the subject property. In other words, the one that the buyer is purchasing or your home if you're the seller. But if it comes in light, which is something that is happening more and more and more and more in a competitive environment, the right to cure language says that the buyer can't walk away as long as you, the seller, agree to come down in purchase price to meet the appraised value. So let's put this in a scenario. I'm buying a house and I have financing, right? Because if it's a cash purchase, if I'm the listing agent and I see a cash offer, I'm not even going to I'm, I'm, we're not even going to entertain an appraisal if we can. Why would we? You're paying cash. You think it's worth X, so pay X, especially if I have competition. Well, okay, so the appraisal happens, right? The appraisal happens, and let's say the purchase price is, is $350, like I mentioned earlier, and the appraisal comes in at 345 
or 340. Let's make it easy. Let's just say 340. That's based on what an appraiser was able to find of comparable properties that have sold with some add-in, if you will, of market trends, homes that are being listed for hire, etc. Appraisers get a pretty bad rap, and I, and I feel bad for them sometimes, especially in a market like we're in today, because the reality is if somebody comes in on a list price of 350 and offers 375, usually we all know that's not going to appraise for 375, right? We priced, we priced it at market value. And at a 375 price point, I as the listing agent might be talking to the seller and saying, hey, look, Mr. Seller, I, I work on commission, man. You, I hope you get as much money as you can. And by the way, it's unacceptable to leave even a dollar on the table but I can't get this to appraise. So we have two options. We either get to buy or to agree to something in writing that they will offset the difference from the appraised value versus purchase price, or we take our chances, we roll the dice, and if you get you know, 375, you get 375, you get 365, it, it, it's, it's kind of house money, so to speak. Gamblers out there understand what that term means. And I'm not a big gambler, but I love playing blackjack. Sometimes you're playing in house money. Right? You just have to recognize that. So back to my example, if the appraisal comes in at 340 and the purchase price was 350 and we didn't have any additional language that covers if that scenario happens in our offer, then the contract, if the seller is given the right to cure, will essentially give the seller, you know, X amount of days, five is what's written in the contrast or in the contract. Um to do a few things, right? It's, first of all, we got to get a copy of the report from the buyer, right? They have to give that to us to, to verify it. And then if the seller says, that's fine, you know, we'll go down 340. I didn't think it was uh, all that good to be true anyway. Well, then we do an amendment and we both agree to lower the purchase price from 350 to 340 and we move on. But a good listing agent would know that up front and a good listing agent would say, okay, wait a minute. We think this home is worth 340 or 350. If it doesn't come in at 350, here's what we want to do. Now, again, in today's market, 90 plus percent of homes appraise for list price. The market dictates what a, what a home will sell for. And it will always be that case. You know, your home 10 years ago wouldn't have sold for what it would today. I mean, granted, the, you know, the dollar has gone up, investments and costs and all that stuff. I get that. But this could change significantly with even within a season. The cyclical nature of what we deal with in real estate is extremely interesting, in my opinion. But more than anything, when it comes to the appraisal part of things, right to cure still applies, right? Buyer can't just say, all right, well, we're out of here if it doesn't appraise, Um They'll give you the right to cure. And, and by the way, most of the time when a lender is involved, you have to have an appraisal. And if I'm the buyer's agent, and especially if we have competition, you're going to give the seller the right to, to cure the appraisal contingency. But don't be surprised if a good, smart listing agent calls you as the buyer's agent and says, hey, Mr. Buyer's agent, would the buyers be willing to pay the difference in cash? Because some of these gaps from list price to accepted offer price could be as much as twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So these are all things that you have to have a conversation with your sellers about, and especially with your buyers, before you enter into 
this world of showing homes and writing offers. And, and I know if you're not an experienced agent, you're not going to like this comment. And I'm going to tell you that's too bad. Because this podcast is for everybody that's real estate related, but it's especially for you, the buyers and sellers. You need to find an experienced agent in this market. This is a brutal market out there, and you have to have somebody experienced in your corner. Because these are not easy things to negotiate. You have to say the right things when the other agent calls you. You have to be able to, to talk about all these scenarios long before you even write the offer. You know, we have this thing called an accelerator clause where I'll offer you your ask price of three fifty, Mr. Seller, but we're gonna go up to three sixty eight in increments of a thousand over any other bona fide accepted offer that comes along. Uh, and that suddenly we're in competition with. That's the whole nature of of an of an of an escalator clause. In fact, I should do a podcast just on escalators. That would be interesting. The point is, though, at some point it gets too high, and at some point it won't appraise. And so we have to make sure that we're mindful of those things, despite the seller getting the right to cure. So right to cure is a great thing if you're a seller. And it's not a bad thing if you're a buyer either. What I do if I'm on the buyer transaction side of things is I have a language you know, paragraph that we add, and I give this to all of our agents, and it essentially says, hey, look, we'll give you the right to cure. But when it comes to the right to cure, we have a say in the scope, the magnitude, the contractors that are used for the work. After all, I'm buying your house. You didn't know about these issues that we found and I don't know if I want you to just be picking any contractor because you could just go with the cheapest. So there is language in there that allows people to do that. And I can tell you as a, as a pr predominant listing agent, I just don't see other agents using stuff like that. In fact, some agents aren't even using escalator clauses. I was one of the first one to do it five, six, seven years ago. Um, you got to stay on top of these things, especially in a competitive market no matter what side you represent. That's what we do. That's what I do. I'm a master negotiator. I'm not afraid to say that. Um, but every scenario is different, and meaning that if you have 20 other offers, well, now you got to get really creative. And there is no discussion about right to cure. It's just something that's given, especially in a competitive situation. Hey, as always, folks, we enjoy you tuning in we see the numbers we see uh the numbers increasing we see the likes on our facebook page and uh, as always please let us know what you think like the facebook page share it with somebody that you know would benefit from it and uh if there's things you want to hear let us know facebook's probably the easiest way to do that but you can just uh certainly send me a message personally or through the page today's topic was right to cure i hope it wasn't too boring for you and that you learned a lot until next time, we'll see you later, everybody. This episode of Wisconsin Real Estate Today has come to a close. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and let others know if you found this content useful. Until next time, make today your best day.